Welcome back to Empty the Bench. Gentlemen, it's time to jump right into it. Let's do Rapid Rundown for week 13. All right, so as I was telling the guys in the, our breaks here that there are seven games that are pick'em games already, just before even looking at the point spreads, really. So, all right, let's let's get going. So, the first game... Oh, this game already happened. All right, we can't do that game. I, we can talk about it. Chicago at Detroit. What did you guys think of that game? I mean, I, I, I liked what I saw out of David Blatt from the first... And I know that's not how you pronounce his name. I just like calling him David Blatt. <laughs> I like what I saw from him in the second in the first half, but in the second half, he disappeared. Well, I was going to say, I think that was more just the team around him. The team around him isn't exactly good, but I do think if Blatt pr- pr- uh, produces over the next... <laughs> you get to call him that, too. I, <laughs> that's now his name. That is now his name. Purdue, baby! David Blatt. If he produces, if he continues to play, you know, serve as a quarterback because of Stafford's injury, and he produces well, and they actually end the season fair, maybe it's time to consider benching Stafford, making him not going to happen. He's making too much guaranteed money. I, I know. All right. These other two games were covered in the triple header. Quickly, Dallas, Buffalo. Not- we, we already talked about that. We talked about that, yeah. I guess we're just not surprised about that outcome. No. Uh, all right. The game that was a little surprising, the Saints and the Falcons, we saw a successful, and this is very rare, a successful onside kick. Yeah, not just that. It was an onside kick. A penalty was called. So they had and another onside it. kick. And then, and then and they got that one too. Kick. It's like shooting an arrow into a bullseye and it, shoot, and it uh, splits the other arrow in half like it seemed in that Robin Hood game. It, it, it was actually a pretty decent game, but it just wasn't enough for the Falcons. So now the Saints are the first team to clinch a division. Yeah, and... You know, I'm not surprised. Neither am I. And holy hell, Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Ryan is an abysmal mess. He got stiff-armed into oblivion. Yeah, seriously. Can I just state for the record, though, just so you guys can get mm-hmm. that in mind, I think some of the credit, in fact, a lot of the credit for the Saints clinching the division this early has to go to Teddy Bridgewater. I was just going to say that, actually. Absolutely. They don't get there without Teddy. He playing the way he did. I, I felt bad when when uh, he suffered that injury. It, this, this season was an absolute bounce back. He should at least be nominated for comeback player of the year. We'll see if it happens. Angry. Absolutely, I, I, he should be. He should be. He should be starting. Also, I, I think he should start on the team. Also, Taysom Hill, what a game, man! Have a day. Talk rushing about a guy who's utility. <laughs> rushing touchdown, reception touchdown, and forced a uh, muff punt. I mean, he's a. I don't know what you know you're gonna see more teams doing that now. They're gonna take like a second quarterback and now put him out there as like a receiver or you're gonna see more wildcat stuff. Like, oh great, now this happens. Actually, I think we had a, a wildcat in one of the uh earlier games. I think uh, yeah, we had in Bill's Cowboys. Uh John Brown got the book got a passing touchdown. I did see that. <sighs> what a weird Thanksgiving triple header though. It was yeah. fun. It was fun, but Dallas embarrassed themselves. All right, moving on to uh, Sunday game. Oh, your favorite. Green Bay at the Giants. The Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I am very sad to say this, but I have Aaron Jones on a couple of my fantasy teams, and I have Roger <laughs> So I'm kind of hoping that the Packers stop, mud, stop a mud hole in the Giants this week for my sake. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm picking them to cover the spread. And what doesn't help is it's going to be wintry-like conditions. It won't snow. It shouldn't snow yet, but it's going to be it's going to be a frozen tundra. The Packers are going to feel right at home. 
Yeah, they are. I have Green Bay covering this spread for sure. Uh, all right. Washington, the Redskins at Carolina. Wow. Carolina is a 10-point favorite. I'm going to go with the Panthers, but they've been playing like crap as of late, so I'm not, I don't think they cover the spread. Yeah, I'm going to have to do the same, but I do think they will cover the spread. Yeah, they're not going to cover the spread. They're going to win, but they're not going to cover. All right. Moving on to the game of the week, in my opinion, which probably should have been Sunday night, but we all know why it's not Sunday night. San Francisco, the Niners, at the Ravens. The Ravens are a five and a half point favorite. I mean, I got to give credit to Lamar Jackson. It's a close race for MVP between him and Russell Wilson. But man, that's him going up against him, him going up against that defense and that defense. Number two overall defense is a wall. So I they destroyed Green Bay last week. Mm -hmm. I got to go. I got to go with the 49ers. I do, because I think that defense is going to give him a hard time. But this is Lamar Jackson we're talking about. He's been he he's been putting up the numbers lately. Yeah, it would not surprise it would not surprise me if he if he manages to come out come out with this one. Lamar Jackson is fire, and some people are like you know oh Lamar Jackson just a running back in the sky. Well, if that's the case, the Ravens already have an all star running back in Mark Ingram, who's been unbelievable this season. To be honest, I know and. The 49ers did actually lose to the Seahawks, keep in mind. I, I might go with the Ravens. I, I think I got to go with the Ravens. But now, is the spread going to be covered as a question? Five and a half points? I'm surprised that the Ravens are favored by that much. I, I was going to say, yeah. I, 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 this should be. This should have been a, either a pick em or a three-pointer, not a five. You know, I'm going to go no. No, this spread's not getting covered. I'm taking the Niners. I think the Niners' defense has been on fire, in my opinion, and... This is probably a hot take to all of Boston. I think they're a better defense than the Patriots, to be honest. I think they're a better defense. I think they totally destroyed a offensive juggernaut in Green Bay last week. Hang on. Them, them's fighting words. With the I, I, we need a 49ers Patriots as well. We need Brady versus Garoppolo. That's what I've been saying. That's we, what I want. We need defense versus defense here. So uh, I'm taking the Niners, but I, I think Lamar is going to put up a fight. A massive fight. Yeah. So, but we all are in agreement. I, I don't. We don't think this spread's getting covered. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, Nick and I took the Niners, and you took Ravens not covering. I so. know. I know. But I'm saying this is this is probably only going to be like a three point game. This is going to be close, unless San Francisco breaks out and just has a massive week like it did against Green Bay. We'll Maybe. see. All right. Moving on to the Titans at the Colts. The Colts are a two and a half point favorite. This is basically your run of the mill, middle of the league type of game. Yeah, this is this could go either way. I, I might go with the Colts here. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go with the Colts too because I, 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 Jacoby Brissett has been playing good, not not great, but he has been playing good, and I think that will come in handy this week. I I, I got to give credit to Tannehill as well. He's basically been good taking over, you know, from Marcus Mariota over well, in Tennessee. When everybody leaves Miami, they become better. So I know. <laughs> Hey, By the way, you can breathe free air again. And, and, the and the fact that he doesn't have Adam Gase attached to him anymore. No, God, oh, please, God. please don't start that. You want to cause a massive uh, rain cloud over your head, then you're going to bring up Adam Gase. Oh, but, God, quit it, Tom. You're going to give him an aneurysm. But, so, did Tennessee win last week? I don't even know, because usually they win, loss, win, loss, win, loss all season, and they usually end up 8-8. Eight and eight. So... Uh, Tennessee... They, they destroyed Jacksonville. 
All right, so they won last week, so yeah, they're going to lose this week because they usually win lots of pinfalls. So yeah, we'll we'll go with Indianapolis, and they're going to cover. So they pretty much win, loss, win, loss all the way to eight and eight. What logic? Mm-hmm. The NFL has no logic, as you'll hear after this uh, rapid rundown. Okay, fair. All right, probably the worst game of the week, in my opinion. Philadelphia at Miami. Philadelphia is a ten-point favorite on the road. That's, yeah, yeah, I gotta take the Eagles. Come on. Are, are you gonna take the covering though? I, mean, I am. Yeah, it's my. I will. Yeah, yeah. That, By the way, right. I, I subbed out my San Francisco D for Philadelphia this week. Yep. Just because they're playing Miami. Yeah, because I didn't. I wasn't gonna take my chance against Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah, that's that's also fair too. That's also fair. I I subbed out one of my leagues. I subbed out the Niners D as well. So, yeah, I mean, this there's not really much to talk about here. This is pretty much Eagles and do you think they're going to cover? Mm-hmm. So, all right, moving on to the Raiders at the Chiefs. And I'm a little surprised by this spread because Kansas City, we can all admit Kansas City has not been as clean this year, right? Right. Yeah. So, surprisingly, KC is a 10-point favorite over Oakland. Which sounds weird. I... Didn't they play each other earlier this season? They might have, but I'm just—I'm a little surprised by this spread, considering that they're not—they can't stop the run. Yeah, no, they—they they played earlier this season. It was twenty-eight to ten. So I mean, that's—I guess fair. But Oakland has looked a lot better than we thought they were going to. Let's I, yeah. I, just, I think that spread is too high, though. I—I I agree. I think that's a little high. I—I I think I would say if it was seven or eight points, maybe, but not a ten. No. I, I I'm think gonna, that, yeah, I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but I'm going to them to not cover that spread. I, I'm, I'm going to be in the same boat as Nick. I, I just think it's too high, and they can't stop the running game. They're one of the worst in running defense in the league. Do you think that they'll still get the win, though? Yes. Or do you think the Raiders are going to surprise? Okay. No, I think they're going to win. Well, the Raiders, they can only go up after beating the uh, the Jets. After, after being embarrassed by the Jets? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. Excuse me. Uh, but all right, moving on to the Bucks. Oh, this is North Florida matchup: the Bucks at the Jaguars. It's also a tank bowl. It's also a tank bowl, and the Bucks are the favorite at one and a half. Uh, that's that's kind of a lenient favorite. That's more pick'em. Yeah, <laughs> but wait a minute, yeah, they're the favorite. What's going on here? That's a that's a pickup game. That's a little bit little ashamed to say it's a pickup game. The Jags are imploding. I'll I'll, I'll go with the Bucks. I was going to say, Jameis Winston, as much as he is a turnover machine, you know, the receivers around him have been absolute fire. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have just had, they've had a lot of re- good recent success. I, I think that will be enough to stop uh, Jacksonville. Famous Jameis and Mike Evans. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Nick Foles has just not looked good at all. God, Nick Foles and and his eighty plus million dollars guaranteed. It, it, it might be it might be time to bring back Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah, bring back Minshew. Woo! Okay. Oh boy. Oh God! Now that I'm happy, now I have to be sad. Uh, the Jets at Cincy. The Bengals. The Bungles. The Jets are a three point favorite only. Hey, you I, should feel. Hey, you should feel better. They're against the Bungles. I'm going to pick, yeah, and I'm going to pick the Jets. Yeah, me too. You you want me to be honest? I I think I said 
the, the Bungles are going 0 and 16. There is no <laughs> doubt in my mind they're going 0 and 16 this year. I wouldn't be that. I, I wouldn't be that sure of it, but you know, it definitely has. A, it, there's a distinct possibility that happens. if if the Bengals lose to the Jets, there's no way they're not going 0 and 16. <laughs> There's some weird thing in the back of my mind that says the Jets are going to somehow blow this and they're going to become like some kind of media darling. Which is, which is why I've said, which is why I said, if the Bengals lose to the Jets this week. If. and if. Not, I, I mean, I'm not going to be the stupid person to go against the spread here. So obviously I'm going to take the Jets. But... I was going to say, we need to learn our lesson because every time we did we pick against the Jets, we, we did this. They in, win. They win. I say we did it in week ten when they played the Giants. We did it in week eleven when they played the the uh, Redskins. And did we do that last week against the Raiders? Yeah, we did it last week at the Raiders. I, we, we got the Miami one right though. Yeah, but I'm saying the last three weeks we picked against the Jets and we've been wrong. It's time damn, to learn I, all of us. Damn, I should just pick against them so they win. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are, are you gonna go with the Jets though? Or? Yes. Can't pick against them now. This is especially because the Bungles are probably the worst team in the NFL. Uh, all right, moving on to the Rams at the Cardinals. The Rams are a three-point favorite only. I don't know what it is for some reason. I I know Kyle Murray can be good. I know they got some good running backs in Johnson and three. I I just don't have a good feeling about the Cardinals. I gotta go with the Rams. Yeah, I'm still going with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams, but they kind of concerned me last week. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been concerned all year about them, but last week really concerned me. All right, moving on to the other team in L.A., the Chargers at Denver. Chargers at the Broncos, and who's the favorite? Chargers are a three-point favorite. I mean, Phillip Rivers and company had just not looked good the past week or two, and to give credit to Denver, they still have a strong defense led by Von Miller. I'm taking Denver. I might, yeah, I'm going upset. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right, moving on to the brawl game. It's Cleveland, the Browns at Pittsburgh. Oh boy, rematch! Ding ding ding! Um, I mean, there is going to be a massive brawl in this game. I guarantee. It. Did you hear the uh, the presser in the Browns locker room after the game when they said if they wanted Mason Rudolph to play? Oh yeah, I mean. Pittsburgh's an absolute mess. Both teams are kind of an absolute mess. This is the mess bowl. Who's going to start? Is it, you think it's going to be uh, Rudolph or Duck Hodges? I think Hodges. I, I mean, it really, it really depends. Either way, I don't think they're going to factor into it. But I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Browns. I yeah, I kind of have to go with the Browns. I got a feeling we're going to be talking about something they did during this game on next week's show. Who's the favorite, by the way? Cleveland's a two-point favorite. Two-point favorite, so it's more pick'em. All right, yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna stick with the Browns. I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm going Pittsburgh just because Cleveland embarrasses the bleep out of themselves. So yeah, but Pittsburgh's been doing much the same this season, to be honest with you. Well, if you look at the playoffs as of the time we're recording, they are the sixth seed. Pittsburgh. Yes, they're in, they would make the playoffs today if. I, I, and I think they still would get spanked in the first round. Doesn't matter. At least they're in the playoff push as opposed to Cleveland. Yeah, but let's be real. This this ain't either the Steelers or the Browns division. (laughs) This is is Lamar Jackson's baby. Well, we call it the crappy division, except for Lamar Jackson. Oh, boy. Uh, All right. Moving on to the game that I feel like shouldn't be Sunday Night Football because they just take over the league. 
I say because we have 49ers Ravens, but of course it's New England. So New England, Patriots, Texans. Yes. Patriots, Texans. The and this is what surprised me too. The Patriots are a three-point favorite. Uh, I'd say the Texans have kind of crapped the bed a couple of times this season, and I think that still will happen. I'm going Pats. Yeah, I'm going Pats too. It's going to be a close one, but I think the Pats pull this out somehow. All right, Monday Night Football. It's another good one. The Vikings at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a three-point favorite. That's going to be a tough matchup for both teams. Yeah, two strong defenses. An MVP candidate in Russell Wilson and an underrated MVP candidate in uh, Dalvin Cook. Russell Wilson's going to end up being the X-Factor here, so I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I am going to agree, and Green Bay is going to have control of the division by a game, but I would say it may come down to that Week 16 matchup between Green Bay and Minnesota. I hope that matchup does come to fruition. It would be good television, at least ratings-wise. would mm-hmm. be. I'm going Hawks. Hawks all the way. Russell Wilson is probably the MVP, in my opinion. I'd say that Week 16 matchup that may decide the NFC North, that'd be a Monday Night Football the night before Christmas Eve. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. nice. Dad, please let that happen. Hope that game means something. Uh, well, so now let's do our Week 14 Thursday. Obviously, we're not going to have an odds for this. But I mean, if you want to say covered or not, feel free. It's it's a very horrible matchup, boys. Oh no! It's the Cowboys and the Bears. What? Uh. <laughs> it's, wait, Thursday night football where bad games go to die. Yeah, I'm picking the Bears. I I think Dallas's collapse continues. I know Trubisky sucks. Where's the game? It's in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Ah, Bears. Ah, Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Ugh. All right. So, boys, let's empty the bench. Let's go through some of these stories. Let's a lot. Try. A lot. Let's try to do this quickly, but I doubt we will. Okay. Okay, guys. So, some news that broke just before we got to recording. Josh Shaw, I believe, of the Cardinals. Yes. Suspended through 2020 for betting on games. Shocker, huh? Yeah. So, you can't gamble. That's our job. Oh, by the way. This public service announcement has been sponsored by FanDuel. Make sure, make, make, sure to put in, make sure to put in offer code no gambling to get 50% off your next bet. Oh, God. All right, so I have the statement that was made. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, to, as of Friday, uh, the day we're recording this, mm-hmm. suspended Josh Shaw of the Arizona Cardinals and definitely uh, threw at least the conclusion of the 2020 season for betting on NFL games not once, but on multiple occasions this season. And what's worse, Shaw is currently on injured reserve. So, Oh, yeah, he pulled a Pete Rose. So a league investigation uncovered, and this is what really irks me right now, a league investigation uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way, nor was there evidence suggesting any awareness by teammates, coaches, or other players of his betting activity. I mean, first of all, you still can't do this thing. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, so you can't do that. But, I mean, we talk about logic and, you know, hypocrisy. But wait a minute. You know, I have to read you the word that really made me laugh. Okay. So this is a quote from... Commissioner Goodell, because we all know how uh, smart he is. Two checks, Goodell. 
So, quote, the continued success of the NFL depends directly on each of us doing everything necessary to safeguard the integrity of the game and reputations of all who participate in the league. This does harm the reputation and integrity. Yes, but you know does. what else does? But you know what else does? Uh, domestic violence, drugs, uh, assaults, drugs. Partnering with FanDuel and <laughs> officially sanctioning gambling, and then putting a tiny little notification: gambling problem. Call this. Call, call Gamblers Anonymous. Oh God! So and, oh, and you, know what? you could also say the NFL is is a, uh, bad in partnerships with Jay Z. Also, you can throw that one in there. The right? hypocrisy here is so thick and rich. You could put you could spread it on toast. Guys, it's time for everybody's favorite game show: Wheel of Discipline. <laughs> I think I think you're gonna say Wheel of Integrity. <laughs> no, the NFL, the NFL and integrity. Ha 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 ha. All right. So the rest of the statement he made. At the core of this responsibility is the longstanding principle that betting on NFL games or on any element of a game puts at risk the integrity of the game, damages public confidence in the NFL, and is forbidden under all circumstances. If you work in the NFL in any capacity, you may not bet on NFL football. Again, yes, it does hurt the integrity, but so do all the other things that we said. And you don't get handout suspensions like this for those. I don't think Roger Goodell understands what the word integrity means. No. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, 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 a word he found on the back of a Snapple, uh, a Snapple cap. <laughs> He's just like, oh, wow, integrity. I should use that in the statement. <laughs> word of the day calendar. Shaw may uh, petition for reinstatement on or after February 15th, 2021. Pursuant to the NFL, NFLPA collective bargaining agreement, he may appeal his suspension by filing notice within three days. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, guys, let's briefly mention this. Kyrie Irving, he, I mean, we're talking about returning to hometowns like the Ramona Shelford story had. It was about, you know, LeBron coaching AD when he, AD returns to New Orleans. Well, Kyrie Irving returned to Boston, and let's say his welcome wasn't, uh, it wasn't welcoming. Oh, well, did, did you see the chant, even though he wasn't in the building? Kyrie sucks. Kyrie sucks. And I mean, did what, you expect anything else? And what and what does Kyrie do? Well, he goes on Instagram stories and posts a whole rant, which I'm not going to read because it's going to take way too much time here. I'm looking at it, so I'm just trying to see if there's anything in here that stood out. No, he's basically saying how, you know, mental health and life, that, that there's things bigger uh, than Oh, so he's pulling the mental health card. Yes, we get it. I mean... I mean, he's not wrong. He... He's not wrong, but what did you think was going to happen after the yeah. mess of the board? What did you, you think? Had? What did you think was going to? How do you? Th- how did you think they were going to react? Can I defend Kyrie on one thing, which is he's only playing there for one year. He played there for one year. It's not like LeBron, who was in Cleveland yeah. for many years, and then decided I'm going to go to L.A. Or actually, first I'm going to go to Miami. Then I'm going to go back to Cleveland. I'm going to win. Then I'm going to leave my fans again, and I'm going to burn their souls, and I'm going to go to L.A. It's that's NBA, NBA fans are like that. They're fickle. I know. I, I agree. But also, also kind of uh, the year that he had in Boston wasn't exactly his fault. They didn't have much success because didn't Gordon Hayward get injured? At the he start was of the hurt. Yeah. But, Kyrie was, but, but the problem is Kyrie was supposed to be a number one in Boston. We all know Kyrie's not a number one. He's, no, when, he's a psychic. Right. So when he was with LeBron, and they, that's when they won, even though Kyrie hit the game-winning shot and uh, won the championship Cleveland. Oh. 
Well, Even- Kyrie's, Kyrie's a hell of a player. He's just he's a sidekick. Well, oh, I thought you meant psychotic. I'm sorry. Did no, I? No, psychic. <laughs> yeah. psychic. He's another. Uh, I agree. If if you said psychotic, I would have agreed with you too. But he's a number two. He ain't a number one. Well, I think <laughs> I, I, I think he took a bunch of number twos on the Celtics, but that's a whole different story for another day. Oh boy! Abandoned topic. All right, guys. Little sad note here. So Sam Dyson, a free agent pitcher, is the latest in baseball to be accused of domestic violence. So now, we all know Major League Baseball has a much tougher stance on domestic violence. Shocker, right? Hi, Domingo Herman. <laughs> oh, God. Now, it's worse because – well, actually, I don't know if it is worse. It might be because Sam Dyson's a free agent. He might not play ever again. Nope. It would surprise me if he did. We still haven't heard from Domingo Herman. What the heck they're doing with him? I don't want to know. Well, uh, one defense, uh, maybe if you call it a defense. Aroldis Chapman came back after how many games? 25? Yeah. Yeah, but, I, think that I, was, think, I think that was before they, they instituted the rules. They have. I, I was going to say, but MLB has smartened off, and MLB, you know, ha- actually has a policy as compared to the NFL ones. So. And at least, which, is, which is heresy! Burn the witch! And also, Major League Baseball didn't give two bleeps whether the Yankees were going to need him or not. Like, that was the right move, taking him off the field. Yeah, it was. I mean, it it depends on where you go in sports about how they treat this kind of stuff. It's crazy. I mean, and I don't know, like, there's not much we can really do. We just got to keep this stuff away from the young kids who want to be athletes, and they're seeing all these domestic violence situations. Whether it's, you know... Because I know there's this whole story about also not not on the domestic violence side, but as a side of you know remember Odell's dog pain celebration. Apparently yeah, there was a yeah. kid in Jersey who did that, cost his team. My whole point is, you athletes out there, do better, please. You're role models. You're public figures, also. You're not just professional athletes. You're public figures. You you're seen every day. And if you're going to make an example, there are kids who are fans of Odell Beckham or. I don't know who else you want to throw out there who's got an ego problem, but I'd say, I'd say, no, but that's my thing. Whether it's ego problem or legal problem, please, guys, please. Because if you do it, then these young kids are going to say, "Oh well, he did it, so I should do it," even though you shouldn't. Don't do it. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of uh, how we treat a uh, uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, guys, Conor McGregor is returning to the octagon. <laughs> Just when you thought I was gone, here I am again. You know, I saw one of his commercials again, right? Yes. I saw saw one of his uh, whiskey commercials again. What's the name of it? Commercials are going all over. 12. Oh, God. Of course he would pick a name that doesn't represent him whatsoever. It represents Ireland. Yeah, but proper. Him and proper don't belong in the same vocabulary. (laughs) Well, all right. So he's returning to the Octagon, UFC 246, January 18th, taking on one of my personal favorite fighters, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. A man who's absolutely insane and is always looking for Okay, I don't know these guys, but they have some of the best nicknames. Yeah. UFC yep. has some of the best nicknames in all of uh, sports, to be honest with you. Now, um, I heard something else also. I was reading about uh, Masvidal. I was reading some stuff about him also. Yeah. that Apparently, they were talking about him boxing somebody. Oh, him and Canelo. Yeah, well. I want I that. Know. I would watch that, actually. Well, there's a there's a whole reason that apparently this McGregor and, and uh, Cerrone fights at welterweight. It the rumor is that this may be McGregor's push to fight Masvidal. <laughs> I would root for Masvidal all day on that. 
on that fight. Yeah, but the reason I bring up the sexual assault stuff is because he is still under investigation for those two sexual assaults. So, I mean, should he be fighting? Probably not, but this is the UFC. When has that stopped Dana White? I, well, that my point is. When has that stopped him from throwing money in front of these guys? McGregor is the money, but, but my point was McGregor is the money man. He will sell, whether we like it or not. Well, what was it you? What was it you called it? The Kiss Me Arse Club. Dana, <laughs> Dana McGregor Kiss Me Arse Club. Yes. Uh, no one well, wants to see go. Mayweather. No one wants to see Mayweather. I have nothing more to add to that. Oh God! Yeah, I know. There's a rumor Mayweather may come back in next year too. Oh, um, wonderful. Get why don't we just throw another $100 million at him? Seriously. So he could just gamble it all away somehow and still win. I don't know. <laughs> and, 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 and keep that money away from the tax man again. Oh, God. All right, move on. Yeah, enough of that. Aubrey Huff. You oh, guys know boy. this story. You guys know this story better than I do. So. Hey, Nick, so help. He sent, so he sent out a tweet saying of, of him and his sons at a gun range saying that just teaching my kids how to do it because if Bernie Sanders, I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but if Bernie Sanders gets elected, teaching people how to use guns is going to be important. And to that, I have only one response. Why is it always that the gun nuts have such an inferiority complex? I mean, not to mention the fact that you're clearly communicating what is essentially a threat to everybody who doesn't agree with you, but you're doing it to own the libs. What's the point of that? What... Are you that big of a jerk? You know, I think I just answered my own question. You kind of did answer your own question, kind of. But <sighs> I don't know what he's trying to prove. If, is he trying to be the big man? Like, is that what he's trying to be? I don't know. Um, Yeah, I, I'm guessing he's just trying to. I, oh, and by the way, he, deleted, to, he deleted the post. Uh, of course. Uh, getting K-Man called him out on it. Well, well, here's the thing. You can have your thought on if ESPN is divisive or not, but what are you thinking about posting this? What have we talked about, gentlemen? This goes back to actually kids, by the way, also. Because he's he's doing it because he knows he makes it mad. But again, watch what you tweet. Again, I mean, I I got to side with Kenny Mayne on this one, where he, he, he tweeted at him in response. Imagine if a black player had done that and... I can't help but think of the I, – I, I shudder to think of the simultaneous pearl dropping. It would be enough to make everybody within a 35-mile radius go deaf. My point is this Aubrey's Tufts thing was a social media post. What, what made you think that was a great idea? What made you think that was a good thing to tweet? Are you, By the way, I found the tweet. I found the tweet. Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 real it's it's real redneck stuff. It says getting my boys trained up on how to use a gun in the unlikely event Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump in 2020, in which case knowing how to effectively use a gun under socialism will be a must. By the way, most of the headshots were theirs. Cuz everybody's coming to take your guns, Aubrey. As a matter of fact, you better hide. You know what? Go up in that attic and whatever you do, don't come out. <laughs> Right. I happen to agree with you, Nick. On this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A couple more stories here. Let's get through these quickly because these don't need as much time. Statement here from the Arena Football League. The AFL has announced it has filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy and is fully seizing operations. AFL Commissioner Randall Bowe said, we're all disappointed that we couldn't find a way forward and we want to thank our fans, players, coaches, everyone who loved the Arena Football League. We all loved the game and tried, to make, tried very hard to make it successful, but we simply weren't able to raise the capital necessary to grow the league, resolve the substantial legacy liabilities, and make it financially viable. So, I mean, so this is basically the XFL all over again. 
Well, I was going to say, the Arena yeah. Football League kind of has, you know, I think they took a break at one point. They but, did, actually. But, they were having financial difficulties for a while now, right? I say, yeah. yeah, and their popularity has declined. I mean, they're on, they were on ESPN2 and not really in a good TV slot. You didn't really know what was on. CFL just, took over for them. It's just sad because, you know, it's another, it's one, another less place for people to play football. I mean, think about it. At the start of this year, thinking we were going to have, you know, the Arena Football League, CFL, AF, XFLs. Now, uh, XFL, here's, here's looking at you, kid. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, and one last thing here. Guys, let's end on a fun note, a good note. So, Stephen F. Austin upset Duke recently. We've seen a lot of upsets lately. Kentucky got upset. Duke got upset. Yeah. And there was this player from Stephen F. Austin. His house was destroyed in a Nathan hurricane. Bain. Yeah, Nathan. And his GoFundMe has increased substantially. Well, context. So at the end of the Duke-Stephen F. Austin game, was tied. Uh, Duke misses a shot. I think there's like two or three seconds left. Mm-hmm. And he manages to get all the way down to the other side of the court and hit the layup on the buzzer beater. Which is, it was a thing of beauty if you see it. It's poetry in motion. So his GoFundMe prior to Tuesday's game was at $2,000. $2,000. It is now over $125,000. Just for Which context is- of time, from prior to Tuesday's game to by noon Thursday, from 2000 to $125,000. Which is a wonderful thing. It really is. I mean, I... I, I the guy lost his house in a hurricane. You tend to you you tend to lump everybody in, in everything in an everything sucks mode because you know we're we're on the internet we're basically cynics, but you know I I, I like to at least be reminded once in a while. There, there's good people in sports and sports. There are right. good people in sports. It's not it's not just mm-hmm. not just cynicism all the time. But it shouldn't have taken a game winning shot. To one yes, it absolutely should not have taken it. It should not have, but you know what? I'm I'm glad that it, it at least happened. I mean, hundred twenty five thousand dollars that that's enough to get your life back together, including a house. And mm-hmm. I mean, good for him, really. Good. I I am so I am so so. It's so hard. It's such a heartwarming story. I is, love it, it. is it amazing that we could actually end an episode on a positive story? Absolutely. Wow, what, what sorcery is this? <laughs> I think it's witchcraft. Go Maybe. like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ETV Sports Pod and go to emptyedeventsportspod.weebly.com, our official website for all our past episodes, interviews, and more. So for Nick Bader and Nick Morgison, this has been episode number 14 of Empty the Bench. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's head back to the clubhouse. Good night, everybody! Good night and be kind to one another. Thanks for listening to Empty the Bench. The podcast can be found on Facebook and Twitter at ETB Sports Pod. So make sure to give a like and a follow. And don't forget to go to emptythebenchsportspod.weebly.com to re-listen to past episodes and interviews and more information about this show and its hosts. Until next time, it's back to the sidelines.
No screaming in your ear. No intolerable opinions. No nonsense. Just logic, controlled debate, and facts. It's time to empty the bench with your hosts, Tom Albano, Nick Federa, and Nick Morgison. Welcome to Empty the Bench, episode number 14. I'm Tom Albano, along with Nick Federa and Nick Morgison. Gentlemen, I hope you had terrific Thanksgivings, and how about them Cowboys? Uh, yeah. How about, how about them Cowboys? In fact, if eating the food didn't make you throw up, the Cowboys' performance definitely did. I, I hear something in the distance. I hear Jason Garrett's uh, soul in the distance. First of all, I have to ask, just as a baseline, the Bills? The Bills? We're talking about the same Buffalo Bills here. Wait a minute, though. They're no slouch like they used to be, though. But the Bills? Can we give them some credit? Because yeah, actually- I, I'm sick and tired of people not giving the Bills credit. The Bills but are... But it's like a stormtrooper winning a marksman. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So last year, the Bills got in on some wildness. That from- was two years ago. Two years oh, ago. was that two years ago from Andy yeah. Dalton? And then they sent a bunch of items to his charity because they, they thought he basically handed it to the Bills. And now they're going to get in on their own merit, finally. And you know what? Crazier things have happened. So, you know what? I, I'm, I'm in the wrong here. But here's the whole Still, thing. I expected better of the Cowboys. Let, let's talk about the Cowboys. Let, let's put the focus on the Cowboys because <laughs> the Cowboys have now lost what? Let me go to their schedule. Because well, I'll give you another stat while you're looking that up. They still uh-huh. have not beaten a team, I think, over 500 yet. They are 0-5 against 500 or above teams, I believe. What does that tell you about this team? What does this is tell you like about Kirk Cousins if he was spread out in, uh, amongst an entire team? And what does this tell you about Dak? Dak, who actually had a good game, they still couldn't win. I, I remember... Guys, you remember the Monday Night Football game against the Giants and the Black Hat ran onto the field? Yes. Yeah. And they were saying this is going to be bad luck for the Cowboys, but the Cowboys still won the game. I'm like, it, it was bad luck for the Giants. Well, you know what? The Cowboys might have had some bad luck. It's kind of rubbed off on them. They have lost three of their last four. Their only win in their last four games since that Monday Night Football game was against Detroit. And they only won by like eight points. Everyone's beating Detroit, though. That's not anything special. And that's my whole point. They've lost to Minnesota. They've lost to New England, and they've now lost to Buffalo. So it was a monkey's. It was a monkey's paw thing. You'll win the game, but you won't win anything else. No. And so now, at the center of everything, yet again with the Cowboys, is the job security of Jason Garrett. I feel like we go through this storyline every single year. This is like a bad revolving we'll play, door. We'll play, will he get fired? Won't he get fired? No, no, but this is like a bad revolving door of NFL stories. First it was Antonio Brown, and now it's this. Like, how many times do we talk about the same thing until something actually happens? So the whole thing with Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones, who basically, towards the end of the game, they said he was tearing up, and then he walked out of, the, out of his own private box. Something was going on there. Well, apparently after last night's game also, Michael Bennett was screaming from the locker room. Now, according to Dak, he was screaming encouragement, but I don't buy that whatsoever. I don't buy that. You're talking about a guy who basically can't do anything right. So, And I heard from that story also that he was encouraging people to scream in the locker room also. 
was it, some kind of weird Yanoff uh, uh, primal scream therapy? Scream out your suckiness! <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Jerry Jones. So you mentioned the tears in his eyes. Well, I'll t- I'll take the statement from uh, John. It wasn't Machoda. tears. He's leaking. <laughs> the statement from John Machoda, the beat reporter for the Dallas Cowboys for the Athletic. This was a tweet from about eight o'clock Eastern time last night. Jerry Jones is emotional while talking to reporters. Tears in his eyes. Quote. I'm not going to make a coaching change, unquote. Jones said he still believes this team can make a deep playoff run. He said they have zero chance of doing that without Jason Garrett. <laughs> deep playoff they have zero Great. chance of doing that with Jason Garrett. They, they've won what? Two playoff games in the last 15, 20 years? Something like that. Yeah, it has because he, he's been the head coach of the Cowboys for the last 15 years, hasn't he? I don't know. I lost track. I don't think it's 15, but for mo- for this whole decade he has been. Yeah, him and Belichick might be the might be the longest te- one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. But I mean, I don't know whether well, I think we have a thing here where it's is it the roster around him or is it that Jason Garrett just isn't the guy. And it's- this whole discussion of whether Dak is worth 40 to 45 million dollars a year as a quarterback which he's fighting for. Get the bleep out of here. He's yeah, not well, worth it. Well, if he can't stay upright, he can't throw the ball. As a Giants fan, please give him $40 million. I mean, first of all, didn't he throw for like 350 yards plus? Yeah, on... he, played, he played good. That's, that's what that's, that's the, I, I, I will give Dak this credit. He can throw the ball over over the place. He does, you know, have three touchdown days. He but does what's the deal with Zeke? Because Zeke is not putting the ball in the end zone at all. He gets the yards, but he's not putting the ball in the end zone at all. That's a problem with, well, again, not getting good enough blocking and not have, being, being able to perform in the red zone. Which leads me to my whole thing about Garrett. For whatever, 10, 15 years, you constantly try to build a team around a coach. You know, you try to give him the pieces. And you have certain good pieces. Like we just said, we got to give credit to Dak and Zeke. The Amari Cooper trade, it's kind of worked out in their favor. Well, he's hurt now, though. I know, but I'm saying, but at the time, it, actually, it was better than we thought it was going to be. We thought they were crazy for giving up the first round. My yeah. point is, if you are building, you know, if you're trying to give them pieces, different pieces, because they've had different teams over the last 10 years, and you're not going anywhere, maybe it ain't the team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of Maybe the, it's the personnel. I don't know if it's the personnel. In fact, I'm inclined to disagree that it's the personnel, because, again, he just said... It's been like this for 15 years that Jerry's been getting good pieces and he just hasn't been a Garrett hasn't been able to put together well, a well, Lego set. Well, Wait, personally, the, coach, the coach call it kind of falls under personnel, though. Right, it does. But what I was going to oh. say is that this team expectations are so high, of course, being America's team, because that's how they're floated out there. It's like Even the though Yankees, that hasn't been true in the last 15 years. Right, and it's like the Yankees in baseball or it's like the Knicks. In the NBA, they have yeah. Uh, high, I would say I would say it's more the Knicks. The it's high, 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 high expectations, and they can never meet them. And then they succumb to the pressure, and then they just can't do anything at all. It's all pressure. Even though they, even though the Knicks haven't haven't done anything important since I was in kindergarten. Well, you're talking about the '70s or even the '80s, even. But I, I just, I think the Cowboys' expectations are so high 
And of course, when you're dealing with two cowboy homers and uh, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman, who are calling the games all the time, uh, Troy. I don't, I don't. I don't think it has to do with that. I don't think that. But I don't. I don't think that Jerry's going to adjust our expectations accordingly. I mean, can I be honest with you? Steinbrenner, in that only winning's good enough. Uh, no, I'll be honest with you. You know who Jerry reminds me of? Our owner, our our fun yeah, Giants that, owner, that, John Madden. That's what I'm saying. Because we, I was actually listening to the Michael K show. Sorry to go off on a little tangent here, but uh, Don LaGreca was saying, remember how I always say it was always how we mishandled Eli or the 2016 debacle? He thinks, you know, it was like the firing of Tom Coughlin and not benching Eli sooner, like after his disastrous 13 well, or 14. Of course they're going to hide behind that. They're not going to admit the truth. So, but my point is Mara for our team basically has tried for years, you know, oh, we can't rebuild. We can still do this. And Jerry is the same way. Same thing with Johnson, with the Jets. I mm-hmm. mean, they, when we had Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan and they went to back-to-back AFC games, they... You would, you would think that curve kept going upward, but it turns out it dropped off a, dropped off a cliff. And, right, but, but no, but more importantly, they're not willing to admit it has. Yeah, and and the inability to be honest with yourself is, I think, what is hampering the Cowboys here. And I can't see Jerry coming, having a come to Jesus moment at least this season. In the off season, yeah. they feel different. I I don't know if they're even going to make the playoffs. Let me take the uh, quote here from my good friend Woody Page. Check the schedule, because here's the here's the last four games the Cowboys. They have the Bears in Week 14. Which, I, I mean, the Bears stink, but if their defense shows up, that might trouble them. Yeah. It might be a gimme, it might not. When you have Mac, there's no looking back. Let's put it that way. They, then they have the Rams, same boat as the Bears. They kind of stink, but if their defense shows up, more problems for Dak and company. Then they have the Eagles in Week 16, and then Washington in Week 17. And actually, let me take a quick look at the Eagles schedule. So Week 14... Well, this coming Sunday, they got Miami. That's an easy win. Then they got the Giants, another easy win. Washington, another easy win. Then Dallas, and then the Giants again. So they have the ability to sweep all of this under the rug. It they- sounds like all divisional, too, for the most part, doesn't it? For the most part. Uh-huh. So if the Eagles win on Sunday, they're tied at 6-6. Six and six. The Cowboys basically can't screw up either the Bears or the Rams game. There's a whole possibility that that week 16 game between the Cowboys and the Eagles, that could decide the NFC East. Oh, I think it will decide the NFC East. And let's not understate how terrible the NFC East has been this year. I mean, it's not just the Giants. Not just this year, this whole past five years, maybe. Yeah, you're right. And I, I just feel like, again, like I just said, you have the ability to sweep all of this under the rug if you win. Can they? Can they not screw up? Well, when you're expecting them to not screw up is usually when they do. So, What's worse, though, and the rumor that you guys probably almost drove you off the wall was when they said if Jason Garrett gets fired, it looks like there could be a spot open in New York. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't talk they, me like that. If you want me honest, no. I think the Giants need an outside voice. They can't promote from in their own organization again, but not Garrett. Yeah. Pat Shermer's an, an outside voice, and how did that go? It went nowhere. But but Shermer had little head coaching experience. Right, but but at the same time, looking at the Garrett situation, 
I think he is just not willing to change method whatsoever. It's the same strategy every yeah, time we coaching, go out there. Coaching has changed nowadays. No, no, but I was saying we're going to give the ball to Zeke 20 to 25 times a game. Well, maybe we'll throw the ball to our receivers eight to ten times a game, and if Dak gets sacked five or six times, then okay, whatever. All right, guys. Is, I mean, you're gonna you're becoming predictable. All right, guys, let's move on now to a bit of a controversial story involving a sports media figure out in Los Angeles, Ramona Shelbourne, and the whole controversy of some of her comments when it comes to a team that she covers, the LA Lakers. Well, she, she works for ESPN. I know. She works at ESPN, but she's based in Los Angeles. Right, Of course, yeah. Los Angeles. The team that's in the center of the controversy of hers, the Lakers, of course, LeBron and AD. Shocker. So, if you hadn't... You know what? I'll just let Mr. Basketball explain it. <laughs> well, Probably. I don't have the quotes directly in front of me, but what I do know is that basically... Ramona was on Mason in Ireland on uh, 710 ESPN LA on uh, radio. And basically they were having a conversation talking about race situations, why Anthony Davis went to LA to be with LeBron. You have the statements there? I do. I do. I have her quote. Quote, I believe there's a racial component to all this. That a black agent telling, not asking a team that they should trade him, the him being Davis did not go over well, especially in the South. Eric Mintz did the same thing with Paul George, and it wasn't as bad. I, I assume Mintz is Paul George's agent? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So th- this whole situation took a massive turn. When you bring race into a sports conversation, a.k.a. Colin Kaepernick, a.k.a. whoever you want to bring out there as a race. It, it doesn't go over well. It doesn't it, go over well. Especially coming out of her mouth, I don't I don't think it was her place to say. Especially, I mean, we, we had said before in, in pre-show meetings discussing this, this is white privilege right there, where you think that you have... It's not, it's not, a, vo- it's not a voice from the race, that question. Yeah. Well, so this whole situation confused me because we all know in the offseason... Well, or actually last season, LeBron was trying to get AD to LA. And and that's my whole thing with this. I don't think race really played a figure because we have known since LeBron went to LA that he's wanted AD there. He alienated his entire team. He also alienated Magic Johnson when he was still the GM at the time. So this whole situation is just messed up. And I don't know what Ramona, she got up on the wrong side of the bed that day and just decided to say, didn't Oh, take it, didn't take it very well. And just said, Oh, well I'm, I'm going to make it a race situation. Now I said, I wasn't going to bring this point up, but I'll try to bring it up in a clean fashion. You tell me what you think makes sense of this whole situation. Usually when a race situation is brought up now you tell me if I'm wrong, it's usually not from white people. Usually. It, right? it should not be. It should it, not. But be. that place the point. Like, Maybe there was a better sports writer who could. If there, there if, was, if this topic had to come up, it shouldn't have been from somebody like Ramon Shelbourne. Well, yeah. let, let's correct something. She is very good at what she does. Yes, she is yes. very. We're, we're yes. not. This might not have been the place for her to say that, though. But where did the? I'm still trying. Especially I have a lot when of you questions. Don't know for sure. I have a lot of questions, which are 
why are you making a race situation? Why? Because Anthony Davis wanted to play with LeBron in LA and they wanted to, maybe she's trying to take the situ, uh, the situation away from being a super team. Is that what she's trying to do? Now for what it's worth, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis did say that, that Ramona Shelbourne was wrong, that uh, they had, they had asked about, they had asked him about her quotes and he said that, that, that didn't factor into it at all. So we also have that, that um again my whole point lebron has wanted ad to be there ad has yes. wanted to play with lebron they are friends he lebron literally tried to and over the offseason successfully did get the likes of lonzo ball and all the rest of the young guns on the on the lakers traded away now is what she's saying i mean conceptually wrong i mean, i mean no it does happen it does happen in the NBA, in the NBA. In fact, more often than you might think, I'd imagine. But again, I don't think this is a situation where that happens. So I just found the direct quotes from Ramona also, where she said, "Part of the reason why New Orleans didn't want to trade for him so long is because they couldn't get fair value for him. But I think the idea that a black agent was telling, not asking, telling the team you should trade him, and he wasn't going to stay." did not go over well in New Orleans, especially with, I don't want to say that fan base, but like you're down in the South, man. This was very charged. And I think that when things get ugly emotionally like that, it's not just about what's going on on the court. It's not just about the moves being made. Yeah, but you know what? We have seen... That might have been a factor of it. Yeah, but that's a little bit of a... How do you... You can't make that judgment. But we have seen strong reactions from fan base before. Every time LeBron... Well, not not the last time, but when LeBron left Cleveland the first time and left Miami, you saw jersey burnings and yeah, yeah. But why are you making a comment about the South? That that was totally unnecessary. I mean, you can't necessarily make those kinds of judgments if you don't know for sure. I don't think conjecture would have helped. It's just it, it's confusing to me. Like the guy wanted to play in LA with LeBron, you couldn't just say that. Why do you have to make it a race thing? I was going to say, if anything, you know what this brings up maybe more? The whole thing of, you know, possible collusions, player collusions in the NBA. You've always said that the, that the players essentially run the league. They yeah. do run the league. Unfortunately, they do. And this is the one sport, and they're trying to avoid this by making the salary caps uh, smaller so that these guys can't collude and be on the same team. But to go back to AD, AD was making a business decision. He was in New Orleans, and they were not winning. They were not winning. He was the star of that team and not winning. He goes to LA. He'll get the commercials. He'll get to play with LeBron. He gets to be with guys that are going to win, and they might win a championship. It made made sense from a basketball and a business perspective. Because even if he doesn't win, because I think – I don't think the Lakers have the bench, and if LeBron gets hurt, they are a losing franchise. But at least then, he's in a big-name city – and he'll get all the stuff that comes with big names, all the attention. And he'll make way more money. I mean, you can't begrudge athletes for wanting to do that. But the thing is, and I have total respect for Ramona Shelburne. I've read a lot of her pieces. I've Yes, I, yes we, all, we are all fans of hers. But I, I'm sorry. I, Ramona, you're wrong in this situation. You're totally wrong in the situation bringing race into it. Like, you got to take a step back and look at what you said and what it caused. I know what she meant, but she probably could have phased it. She overthought it. This was a simple yeah. thing that was overthought. I mean, yeah, it's basically how can I turn it into a situation when it really shouldn't have been? This is, this is like Stephen A. 
turning something into a major situation, a race, without needing to, basically. Yeah, but usually people don't listen to him when he says that because it's just... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, right. I don't know, but how do you see the outcome of this? I mean, I'm sure she'll recover from it, but... I was going to say, this will all be water under, under the bridge soon enough. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, she shouldn't be. Yeah, she should be. But let's go, let's go to... Let's go to another NBA thing, Mr. Morgison. Oh, no. Let's talk about load management. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk We're about... We're starting up against the censors by saying that. <laughs> oh, so we've been talking about load management. This goes all the way back to 2012. It started with the Spurs when they were on a road trip, and they basically sat Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Danny Green uh, against the Miami Heat. They got fined $250,000. That's when load management started. And now Kawhi basically takes the term load management. And rather than play, he, rather than controlling the load on the court, he's taking a load on the NBA instead, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. How do we control this load management situation? I'm not 100% sure. We've talked about it. Well, now there, there is a whole thing here. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I was trying to get the... So basically, squad. they're, they're going to make load management a designation to be a violation of the league resting policy now. Correct. Here's something from ESPN Zach Lowe. The short version, load management is now rest, period. If you see that term, it will mean a healthy player is taking a night off. If skipping that particular game violates the league's resting policy, that player's team will be penalized. Yeah, it says the resting policy prohibits teams from sitting healthy players in high-profile nationally televised game. Finally, it's about time somebody freaking did that. Yeah, let me give more. Nobody tell Popovich. <laughs> well, also, let me give more context to it because you were describing the Kawhi situation. ESPN was given the right to broadcast a game, I want to say maybe three or four weeks ago, between the Clippers and the Bucks. And the marketing and advertising around the game was it was Kawhi versus Giannis, a potential NBA final showdown. Huge, huge money, huge ratings kick. And then when he doesn't play, and actually what made that whole situation worse is that the Clippers had a ESPN game and a TNT game back-to-back. And he played in the TNT game. He played in the TNT game and set the ESPN game, and they were furious. ESPN, and I don't blame them for being furious. They if, put a lot of money into that. If I was a marketing or advertising person at ESPN, I, I would be understandably PO'd. It, it doesn't add up. These guys get paid so much money, and now – Load managers taking over the NBA. Oh, well, you only want to play every other day? Fine. We'll just let you sit on the bench and not play. Why, why not rest on a Monday game that's being only shown in your local area? Because in the NBA or in the NFL, I'll use that as an example too, most games are nationally televised now. Even though they're local, they can be seen around the country. That's true too. There's the NBA league pass and everything. So... Everything can be seen. Just going through the rest of the story to understand. It says, as the league, as long as the league continues to play an 82-game regular season schedule, the topic of resting players is never going to go away. That's true, because these guys, for some reason, they're supposed to be the best athletes in the, in the world, and for some reason, they can't play an 82-game schedule. Well, now, I'm curious. Do you think this topic is going to be revisited if all those changes that uh, go through, how they want, like, 
a few games down on the season so that way they can do a mid-season tournament and then possibly Ugh. a play-in with the 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds. You know why they're doing this? Yeah, be- I don't think that's going to happen. You know why they're doing this? Because they're afraid that their ratings are going to drop. And actually, I think they have dropped a small amount over the past couple of years. They're trying to do everything in their power to get fans to watch. Now, you're going to alienate some fans when Kawhi is sitting against your team that these fans paid a lot of money to go see their team against Kawhi, and he's resting for load management. My whole thing was, you know, as much as their ratings have dropped a little, there's still the rising, you know, sports league that might take over the NFL in a few years. I mean, if anything, maybe some of their ratings drop this season can go back to the whole China situation. And nobody ever asks the players how they feel about all this. How do you feel about resting? I'm sure, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they, they appreciate it when they're hurting. But I mean, but these guys are making t- tens of millions of dollars. I know. I, my whole thing is though, the, and the reason this has come up is because, you know, when it happened at the Spurs that season, I think the Spurs still wins the NBA Finals, and then they the next did. season, and then the next season they won the NBA Finals, and then Kawhi, you know, he won the NBA Finals after the low management thing, and when he got traded to Toronto. Well, wait a minute. That was after the whole situation where he kept the Spurs were trying to get him on the court. He kept saying he was hurt when he kind of technically wasn't hurt. I know, I know. My, my whole point is, I guess people will defend it because you know, if it's good for Pavlovich and Kawhi, it's good for the Gander. But th- this is destroying sports, and not just the NFL. It's going to destroy every sport. You're going to alienate fans who pay a lot of money to go see these guys. Why do you think some teams that are crappy still get their fans? They want to see the stars play. That's why the Knicks still get people. There. That's why the Knicks still get people. They wanted yeah. to. They wanted to see Kobe. They wanted to see LeBron. They wanted to see all these guys. Can you imagine if Kobe and some of those guys of today uh, of last generation were still playing today under load management? They probably still would be playing today under load management. But I'm tired of that. Like uh, That's the argument I'm hearing. Oh, well, it's, if they're playing under low management, they'll be able to play longer and into the playoffs. Uh, that's not how this game was. Did Michael Jordan never sit out for load management? No. You can't, but the game is different now. I mean, the, ga- the game is different now. The players are built differently. Does he have the most NBA rings? Different than, conditioning is different than it was. He played through a freaking flu in the playoffs for crying out loud. All I'm saying is when players need it, they really do. They, they really do. There should be load management for players that you're concerned have an injury history. I say if the history is there, though. And, it, and in some cases, the history is there. In some cases. I know, but I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying, but you're going to have to designate that because that opens up to, you know, abuse of the rule. That opens up a can of worms. Are you injured? Are you not? Are you just saying they're injured so that we, they don't? We, don't? we don't need another Kawhi situation from San Antonio. And by the way, if I'm the owner of the Clippers, uh, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, the Microsoft guy who owns the uh, – Steve Ballmer. Yeah, who, Steve Ballmer. Who owns the Clippers. If I was him, I'd say get your ass on the court. I'm paying you millions and millions and millions of dollars and stop with the load management nonsense. Yeah, way to win, way to win over your players. Uh, if you're paying a lot of money, do you want them sitting on the bench? If they have an injury history, yeah, I would rather that I would rather them be healthy and playing for me when they can than be still earning that money and all of a sudden they blew their knee out, their back exploded or something. In my opinion, every game they don't play due to load management, they shouldn't make their their game check for that day. You're being a you're being a little bit too cruel here. 
they're sitting out do it a load management is essentially a healthy scratch that's what it is well there's healthy scratches in the nfl and the nhl yeah we yeah and you never complain about that no i'm i'd be mad about that too healthy scratches are ridiculous either you play or you're hurt uh now i think you're getting a little off yeah yeah you're getting a little off here man so you're telling me if they're healthy scratch you wouldn't be mad about that the NHL forces you to have healthy scratches. Okay, then maybe yeah, the they, NHL's they, they a different. They need you to do that. The NHL's a different situation. But the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL, maybe not the NFL because they have more injuries. But we see healthy scratches, and I'm like, hello, I want to see the guys play. What do you mean? Yeah, it's called, in baseball, that's, that's not healthy scratches. Those are bench players. In baseball, also you uh, you also have 162 games. That's Why do you think our podcast is called Empty the Bench? God, maybe because we're like the hundredth men sitting on the bench. Maybe exactly. Coming up, Julia, the gears are turning. Finally, coming up, we have our predictions for Week 13 of the NFL, and we got a we got a mess of an Empty the Bench we gotta do. But first, let's restock. You're listening to Empty the Bench. 